that was it. After that, I just decided, you know, I've seen too much to pretend I haven't seen it. I can't continue living in the way that I am and pretend I haven't seen it. Like I either need to accept Torah or I need to leave Christianity altogether. Hello, welcome to Walk Like a Hebrew. This podcast is made for any and all followers of Yeshua HaMashiach, commonly known as Jesus the Messiah. On this program, I sit down and talk to believers about how they came to find out that Yeshua didn't actually do away with the law of God, as many of us were taught, and that fulfill, as in Jesus fulfilled the law, has an entirely different meaning in Greek and Hebrew than it does in English, and so couldn't possibly have meant what we thought it meant for so long. Walk Like a Hebrew is entirely listener-supported. Please consider making either a one-time or recurring donation by visiting sheholdsforth.com slash donate or by subscribing to podhero.com, where $5.99 a month can help support all of your favorite podcasters. I'm your host, Jody O'Dell, and my guest today is Jonathan Kaufman of Napa, California. Jonathan is newly engaged. Congratulations, Jonathan and Anna. And he finally had a chance to sit down and tell me his story. It's an incredible story, full of doubts, faith, adventure, and improbable twists. Jonathan shared with me the scripture that set him on his journey from Isaiah 43, verses 15 and 16. And what happened when he asked the Father to show him his truth? Here's Jonathan Kaufman. So I live in Napa. I was raised Christian, pretty much just raised going to church my whole life, Sunday going, pretty non-denominational. About 10 or 12 years ago, coming into my teens, I started just asking questions regarding my faith and all of that, wanting to make my faith my own. You know, asking the pastor of the church, like, okay, like, what does it mean to be a Christian? Like, we don't, I don't look much different from the world. So like, what does it mean to, well, you got to believe, man, you just got to have faith. Well, I do. Like, I, I believe it in my mind, but what does that mean, like, with my actions? How, well, it means that Jesus lives in you, that you'll, you'll live like Jesus. Yeah, but what does that look like? Like, I'm a very visual person. I have to see it to understand it. I work in construction. I can sit down with a superintendent or a project manager, and they can talk about something for an hour. And I won't have a clue of what they're talking about, but as soon as I see it, I understand it. Yeah. And that's, okay. that's right where I was with, with my faith is that it's like we talk about it all the time, but I want to see it. So I think it's about four or five years ago, I was dating a girl and we ended up going our separate ways and it was really hard on me. So I wasn't really having that great of a time in life at the time. So I just kind of took that as time to just work on myself and focus on work. I had just changed jobs and started in construction at that point. I had come across a uh, Facebook post by a guy who was like a friend of a friend of a friend. I didn't even know the guy. And he yeah. said, if anyone wants to go sailing, I know a friend who's moving his boat from Turkey. He's moving it all the way across the Atlantic to Panama. He's going to sail it the entire way. And if anybody wants to join him, you're more than welcome to join for any part of the trip. You just get in touch. Like two weeks later, hadn't even thought about it since, we're laying in bed, and all of a sudden this thought of this trip comes to mind. I'm like, whatever, I'll, I'll never go, you know. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know is as audible as you can imagine without it being like physically being <laughs> yep, spoken. I've, I've experienced this that. voice. You know, yeah. Why not go? And it was just, it was literally ringing in my ears for like a couple minutes, and it was so abrupt 
when I first heard it, that it woke me up and I sat up in bed and I just kind of like, what was that? Like, I had never heard that before. I've never even really heard it since. Wow. Um, you know, I mean, you, you hear the still small voice of Yah, you know, bring scripture to mind or, right. or, you know, this was so abrupt and it was just ringing through my mind. Why not go? Why not go? Why not go? And I was just like, gosh, like what in the world was that? You know, <laughs> so, okay, whatever. I'll text him. I'll just get some information about the trip. I'm not going though. Like I'm not going. I'm just going to check, check in with him, you know, touch base. There's been a lot of people that I've reached out to that I don't know through social media outlets and like I never hear back. You know, and I, I don't even give any second thought, but I texted him at two in the morning and the next morning I was going to work and he called me. He's like, Hey, so you're going on the trip. I said, no, I'm not going. I just, I thought it would be really cool to follow you guys and just like, I'd love to get updates and check in with you guys, see where it's, where it's going. Like, I think it's really cool. He's like, well, what do you, what are, I mean, do you have questions? I was like, yeah, no, I was just wondering like when you guys are leaving and what your plan is and all that. I, I just want to keep in touch. He goes, Oh, I don't really know anything about that, but. Tell you what, I'll get you in touch with the captain. You can call him and he'll he'll give you any information you want. I was like, okay, cool. Well, I called the captain and we ended up talking for probably like two or three hours. By about a month later, he had convinced me to to join him and basically just join him on the boat for as long as I can and then, you know, jump off wherever they're at. (laughs) And so I had this idea of like, I'll just, I'll, I'll go, I'll stay as long as I can and I'll leave whenever I run out of money, I guess. Okay, so I'm picturing and, um, you jumping off the boat in the middle of the Atlantic, but that's not. Right. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I'm <laughs> you saying stopped I'm in saying different like, places, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. we were sailing around the Mediterranean for a while, oh, so we were in Italy gosh. for a couple of weeks and France, and so I could get off and and, and you fly didn't want to go. Are you crazy? Well, it was just where I was at in life, and it was like oh, I had yeah. just gotten a new job. I'm like, that's I'm just going to focus on my job, focus on a career. You know, I just want to make money. I just want to. I just want to be able to, you know, put some money away in savings and not have to worry about bills or anything like that. Right. It's amazing though, because over the next couple of months, there was a lot of stuff that started happening spiritually that got me questioning where I was at. So I left August 3rd, uh, four years ago. In June, I was listening to a sermon by Paul Washer. He's a Baptist preacher, but he's probably as close to teaching Torah as I've ever heard a Christian teach. He was telling the story. He said he was in a board meeting one time where one of the members was found to be committing adultery. And another board member stood up and said, you can't do that. That's sin. You need to either choose your sin or leave your sin and repent and face the disciplinary board of the church. And another board member stood up in defense of the, the offender and said, you know, you can't do that. You're putting him under the curse of the law. And they started getting in an argument. Eventually, they turned to the pastor and he, they said, you know, Mr. Washer, what do you think we should do? What's your opinion? And his reply was, well, what part of the law do you find oppressive? You know, you said you'd be putting him under the, the oppression of the law. What part of the law is oppressive to you? He goes, is it oppressive that God tells us we can't commit adultery? Is it oppressive that he tells us we can't murder people? Do you want to murder someone, but you're finding that the law is oppressing you and in, in telling you you can't do that? And that was the first time that I'd ever heard that question. And it got me thinking and it was, it haunted me because I'd never heard that before. And I had always heard that the Old Testament law was done away with. Well, it wasn't done away with. It was fulfilled, right? <laughs> and, um, so that means that we don't have any use for it today. And that it was just a thing of the past, it was an ancient tradition. That's what I had heard growing up, and that's just kind of what I assumed because that's all I heard. 
So when I heard this question of what part of the law do you find oppressive? And he listed off a couple of examples from the Ten Commandments. And I started thinking, I started thinking, okay, you know, obviously we wouldn't think of any of the Ten Commandments being oppressive. Like it just makes sense because, I mean, there's so much order and they, they provide such a framework and a structure for peace and civility and, you know, communion, brotherhood, all of that. I don't know if you've heard Prager, Dennis Prager say that if the whole world just followed the Ten Commandments, it would be a completely different place. You wouldn't have any killing. You wouldn't have any stealing, robbing, uh, infidelity in marriage. It would be be so much better. Yes. Yeah. And I was just kind of thinking about it. But then I went a step further and I was just kind of thinking like, okay, the next step is like, well, that's only 10 of them. I know there's other commandments in the Bible. There's a lot of other commandments. Like, what about those? And I was just kind of thinking about it. I didn't even really know what to think. I was just thinking, you know, like, what is this? You know, why am I thinking this all of a sudden? And so it it was on my mind so much that a few weeks later, about a week before I left for my trip, I was at a church prayer meeting and I just kind of put it before the, the people that were there. I was like, hey, guys, like, you know, we're all praying to be used by God and be, you know, acceptable and holy and set apart. And I've just been thinking recently, like, why don't we follow his commandments? And everybody just kind of turns and looks at me and goes, somebody says, oh, which ones? Oh, my God. And I said, well, well, why don't we follow any of them? And they're just kind of like looking at me. And I was like, well, back then, like back in the Old Testament, like God told the Israelites, he wanted the Israelites to follow those commandments. And that's what pleased him, right? And they go, yeah. And I was like, well, if God never changes, wouldn't it please him still today if we kept those commandments? I mean, wouldn't it even make sense that it might even please him more if we kept those being that we don't need to, but we do it out of love for him? I'm just like, I'm completely new to this. I have no idea that there's people that actually keep the commandments. This is just something that I'm thinking through. And they just kind of, well, they just kind of look at me. They go, well, that's, that's a good question, Jonathan. You should look into that. (laughs) And that was all that was said. And I was like, I was ticked. And I was like, no, I want to know, is it a sin to keep the commandments? You know, I'm just thinking this. I didn't say that out loud. I'm just thinking it. Like, is it a sin to keep the commandments? If I say I want to start keeping the commandments of God, is that worthy of condemnation before the judgment throne? And my thought process is, of course it's not. But what I'm getting from everyone else is, yes, it is. And so it was kind of this time where I'm like, I feel like I'm like going crazy here. This is just weird. So a week and a half later, I was flying out of California on a one-way ticket to Italy, going to a place I've never been to meet a guy I've never met, to live on a boat, which I've never done. Like, this is my first time out of the country. This is my first time being a minority. At the same time, I feel like my entire faith is crashing down around me because all of these questions that are coming up, the people that I have fellowshiped with for the last four or five years are coming up dry with answers to my questions. I was very vulnerable. It felt like everything was was literally just collapsing around me. But the one thing that I knew is that Yeshua is the Messiah and that the Father has redeemed me. That I know. There was a There was a time I was really questioning whether or not the father was in me leaving and going on the trip. So I was like really praying about it. And I finally just like sat down and decided that, you know what, I'm just, I need to read. I need to get in the word and I just need to pray about it, you know, and draw closer to him. And so I ended up opening the Bible and I, I, I'm not a believer of like opening the word and pointing to a verse and saying, Oh, that's my verse. Um, but this specific time I happened to open the word. And it fell open to, forgive me, I don't remember the specific reference, but it fell open to a verse, I think it was in Isaiah. And the first thing I see is, I will make a path for you through the mighty waters. I was like, wow, okay. And I just had this peace come over me. The amazing thing 
is that going back after coming into Torah, I remembered that verse and I went back and found it. And the father's talking about bringing Israel back to him. Wow. That's the context that he's speaking of when he <laughs> used that verse. And he showed me that verse in that passage before I had even really come to Torah to yeah. encourage me in the way that I was going. I got to Sorrento and stayed there for a couple of days. You know, I'd walk around Sorrento, go down to the beach, check out the cafes. Cool. You can't go to Italy and not get espresso, right? Right. <laughs> and so that was all fun. But um, the boat came in into Naples. They had to change course. They went to Naples instead. So I, I went up to Naples. And so I've been I've been traveling for four or five days at this point from when I left California. I was tired. I got off the bus. I couldn't find a taxi. And so I had to basically walk probably like two or three miles on foot with like 40 or 50 pounds of luggage. I ended up walking a couple miles. I didn't have like hiking shoes. I had, you know, like sandals and stuff. That was one of the more difficult parts of the trip. So I ended up getting to the marina, get on the boat, meet the captain. He shows me around the boat and sits down. He goes, all right, so like, you know, tell me about yourself. Who are you? Where, you know, what brings you here? All of that. And so I kind of give him a brief rundown. And so we're talking and eventually, you know, I asked him that same question. I was like, so like, what about you? Like, why are you sailing a boat back to Panama? Like, what's that all about? Like, what's your story? And he just starts off right away. He goes, well, my wife and I, we believe in the Messiah. As the word says, you know, you can test whether people are true by whether or not they believe in the Messiah. And, and he goes, so I'll tell you right off. We believe in the Messiah. We believe he came in the flesh, that he taught, that he lived with us, that he died on the cross, and that three days later he rose again. And we believe that he's coming back soon. I was like, great. That's great. You know, that's what I believe. You know, he goes, but we also believe something that a lot of Christians tend to think is a little strange. And that's where everything was just kind of like, dun, 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 you know, oh kind of slow down. I've, I've traveled halfway around the world to meet this guy, to sail with on, on the boat for like an unspecified amount of time. Now he drops this on me. Great. I was like, really, what is that? And he goes, well, my wife and I, we believe in the Messiah, but we keep the commandments in the Old Testament. And all of a sudden, like everything kind of came to a stop. I was like, wait, what? I said, why would you do that? His first reply, I said, well, we see in the, in the Bible where God gives his people his commandments and he tells them to live that way. I said, okay. He goes, but what we don't find is anywhere after that where he tells them not to keep his commandments. And I was like, ah, that's interesting. I said, okay, I'll give you that. I was like, okay, tell me more. You know, and it started a conversation that continued going for several months. For the next month to month and a half, I started just reading the word. We were traveling from Italy. We traveled to a bunch of Italian islands. We traveled to parts of France, to parts of Spain. I had hours and hours and hours every day to get into the Word and really test what he was saying. And there was some of it that I was able to process and chew on. There was some of it that I had to just kind of overlook and come back to at a later point. I'd go read the Word and I'd have questions and I'd come back and ask him questions. I'd go back and read the Word and search and contemplate what they had to say and come back and ask more questions. You know, when you're when you're traveling, especially by boat, um, there's not much opportunity for internet access. And so there wasn't much outside information that I was able to acquire outside of the Bible. There were maybe one or two books outside of the Word that I had access to. Such a special time looking back on that because it was a time that the Father brought me to the wilderness of going out, being alone, not having anyone or anything that I had grown up with, not having any sort of that familiarity or familial 
feel. It was a time for the Father to use a very few specific people to feed me exactly what he wanted me to, to take. There was that time of just incredibly special, intimate time with the Father, of getting into the Word, studying it, and really having this change of focus, change of perspective, going from the law is all bad to all of a sudden changing that to seeing, wait a second, the law is nothing but blessing. The law, in quotes, right? Right. <laughs> the Torah is nothing but blessing. It is there for life. And when that perspective change started coming on, it was so weird, but I was, I would read through portions of Romans. It was almost like one eye was seeing the old perspective and one eye was seeing the new perspective. I remember being in a sermon and hearing this about Romans and then also going, I remember what the Old Testament says about this subject or, oh, he's referring to the Old Testament. Oh, he's referring to the law when he says, you know, the law is spiritual or the law is good or, you know. It's amazing how um, the New Testament comes alive and makes more sense. It's so much more meaningful because instead of just being, you know, that's all done away with, the old is all done away with, and the new, this is, this is what's, what it's really about. And then trying to find what that means, you find that, oh, this is all one cohesive letter all the way through. It's one story. It was about a month and a half after I initially got on the boat. We were in Spain and we were sitting at a cafe and I was looking at the menu and they had these burgers served with all the fixings and, you know, had this great Spanish bacon and just looking like, you know what? I just kind of had this thought thrown through my mind where like, I've had enough of that. I'm ready to move on. I told the, the waiter, like it was right there, just like a kind of a split second decision. I was like, yeah, no, I'll take the burger. You know, no bacon though. And the captain kind of looks over. He's like, no bacon, huh? And I was like, yeah, I've had enough of that. He goes, that's good to hear. And he just kind of smiles. Yeah. You know? I was like, yeah, no, it is. He goes, that's, that's really good. You know, that was it. You know, it was just kind of after that, I just, decided, you know, I've seen too much to pretend I haven't seen it. I can't continue living in the way that I am and pretend I haven't seen it. Like I either need to accept Torah or I need to leave Christianity and religion altogether. And I knew that leaving Christianity, it wouldn't be leaving Christianity, it would be rebelling against God and going against him and becoming an enemy to God. That's what it would really be. I was like, no, Yahweh's done too much in my life to pretend that it, this isn't real. He's put too many things into place to pretend that this isn't really his doing. He's the one that's assigned this trip. He's the one that's brought it together. He's the one that's encouraged me to come. He's the one that spoke to me in January. He's the one that challenged me to go. And I can't pretend that he, he hasn't done this. I was on the boat for probably six months. Wow. Yeah. I left in August and we sailed around for probably two months and then eventually went down to the Canary Islands stayed there for another two months, then went across the Atlantic, stayed in Panama for a month, and then I came home. Wow. But over the next, like, four months, that time that I was on the boat, there was a time of kind of working through that initial shock of coming into Torah, of, mm -hmm. you know, kind of realizing everything that I've learned so far, it's not the full truth. There's so right. much more. Right. Like, I, I thought I understood it. I thought I grasped it. I thought I was at a point where I was like, I... I had a good understanding, and yet I know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so much more. And since coming into Torah and, and starting to learn of the scriptures in that Hebrew perspective has been like that every time I turn around. It's just like, I thought I had a grasp on this, but no. <laughs> Pretty humbling, isn't it? It is. It's totally humbling. 
You said earlier it was the perspective shift. It's the complete life change. I mean, I think most of us who've been doing this for a while are pretty much unrecognizable anymore to the people that we knew before. Yeah, and there there have been challenges with family coming to terms with that change, having to grasp that. I was going to ask you that. So when you got off the boat and you went home, what happened? So I got back home and everyone was like on edge because I'd kind of been talking to them about this stuff. Like right after I got on the boat, a friend texted me and he's like, Hey brother, hope you're doing all right. Stay in the word. And I'm like, I got the text from him. I'm like, Oh, like you don't even know, man. Like I replied back. I was like, Oh, I've been staying in the word. I've, I've been studying so much recently. I'm really encouraged. I said, I've had some really neat opportunities to talk to the captain of the boat because he and his wife believe in Messiah, but they also keep the commandments in the Old Testament. And that's all I said. I didn't say I was doing it. I wasn't even considering it at that time. I was just, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was fascinating. And the reply I got back was, you've got to get in the word and study. Don't follow after doctrines of demons. Oh, my God. Be a Berean. Isn't it almost physically painful when you hear Christians call the words that came out of God's mouth the doctrine of demons? It was. Yeah, it was yeah. It was shocking to me. And the thing that surprised me was that you've got to be mistaken because I've known this this brother for years. We've fellowshiped together. We've studied together. We've done Bible studies. We've done sermons together. We've done so much together. Like, how can you call the Word of God? Like, literally, there's nothing more worthy of being called the Word of God than the Torah. Right. That's literally the words that Yahweh spoke to His people. Those are His words. If I'm following that, then we actually don't need to follow it, if, if that's the case. He said it, and then it was just all a big, I don't know, joke, you know, that he didn't actually mean it or whatever. If someone actually follows that and does it, I mean, the worst that you could say is that, oh, you're mistaken, you didn't actually need to do that. But to say that if they're doing that mistakenly, thinking that they need to do it, if that's the case, isn't saying that they're following doctrines of demons going a little too far? Yeah. So there was some time on the boat that I had to work through that and and kind of, I wouldn't say healing, but more of growth of like, come on, grow up. Learn how to deal with that. Don't let it set you back. Don't let it discourage you. Don't let that stuff offend you. In reference to um, coming back, I had been talking to my family throughout the trip and sharing with them what I had been finding and some of the things that I had been coming across. And so coming back, they were a little bit on edge because they're like, you left one person and came back a different person. Mm. Like, you're not the same person you were when you came back. We're not sure if that's a good thing. There's been a lot of explaining that I've had to do in regards to what I believe. There's been a lot of assumptions that have been made about me that I've had to talk with people about. The automatic assumption is that I've denied Yeshua or the Messiah or Jesus, that I'm a Jew, that I've lost my salvation. You know, those are kind of the common ones. There's been a lot of conversations that I've had to have with family. I'm like, wait a second. I didn't say that. Why would, you know, don't. Please don't assume that about me. Like, I never said that. I never claimed that. Like, no, I, this is what I believe. This is where I'm at. But overall, I would say in the last, you know, three or four years, there's been a steady incline of those relationships continuing to grow, providing more opportunities for me to share with my family. Now I'm at a point, you know, with recently becoming engaged and starting to plan for a wedding of more opportunities coming to be able to share with my family and share with those loved ones and the friends, just kind of helping them see like this isn't a cult. This isn't 
you know, a, a crazy, you know, society that I'm a part of. Like, this is Yah's people. He's calling his people back. Yes. And to be a part of it is a privilege. It's not a curse. You know, to be able to rest on Shabbat is a blessing and nothing but. Not a burden. Um, if it's a burden, yeah. I don't think you've ever actually celebrated Shabbat if you think it's a burden. Right, yeah. What do you call yourself when someone asks you about your religion? Uh, that's always the the interesting question, right? What are you? Are you religious? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what are you? Uh, yes and no. Um, <laughs> I'm hesitant to to say Christian because there's so many different denominations of Christians. I was just talking to someone the other day. I mean, there's there's more denominations of Christianity than there are verses in the Bible. Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. Technically, I would I would fall into that category, but. It's not descriptive enough. Of course, you know, Messianic and Hebrew roots carry their own specific labels. And their little stigmas. Yeah. And so I, I usually say I'm Torah observant or, you know, I believe I'm I'm part of the house of Israel. People go, are you Jewish? I'm like, no, I'm not Jewish. You know? But Jewish really refers to just one of the 12 tribes, right? You say, well, I, I believe I'm one of the 12, one of the other 12. I think the father's calling his people home back to his ways and that's where I'm at. I'm Torah observant, following his commandments as I've as I've heard him call me. So So who do you who do you like to listen to? Like who are your favorite resources? I know you mentioned Brad Scott. I, I really enjoy Brad Scott's teaching. Do you have others that you like to listen to the, regularly or occasionally? Yeah, one of the fellowships that I listened to when I was first coming into Torah and I really enjoyed their teachings, was The Way Biblical Fellowship. They're out of, of them. I think they're out of England. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly. But they do weekly Shabbat messages. And then over the years, I really enjoyed the teachings from uh, Aleph Beta. Zach Bauer's always fun. Enjoy his, <laughs> his stuff. Since meeting um, Anna and, and getting to know her, and her family is associated with um, MTOI out of Tennessee. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's been fun. I just yeah. like how upfront and honest he is. He doesn't he, beat around the bush at all. He does not beat around the bush. <laughs> no. He uh doesn't pull any punches. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. Well thank you, Jonathan. You're welcome. I really I'm glad we finally got to sit down and do this and Me too. And, wow, what a story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So cool. Thank you for listening to Walk Like a Hebrew. Please like our Facebook page at Walk Like a Hebrew and follow us on Instagram, same handle. You can find links to the resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on your podcast app by visiting the link tree in our Instagram bio and on Facebook or by visiting sheholdsforth.com. Don't forget to share the podcast with family and friends, subscribe to Walk Like a Hebrew on your favorite podcast app, and please leave us good reviews whenever and wherever you can. As always, many, many thanks to Jack Lane. If you would like a free CD of Jack's music, send an email to jacklane at earthlink.net. May Yahovah bless you. We'll catch you next time.